Hello and welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. So this week I've been talking about stories that shape our view of self and I'm continuing that today. So this week I've had conversations with two women from different cultures, different backgrounds, but they both say the same thing. And it made me think about the series that I'm doing, the stories that shape us and the stories that shape our view of self. And especially this story, it's so deeply embedded in the psyche of many women. And it's written in culture, it's written in families, it's written, it's written all over. And those stories are informed by different things. So I'm talking to these women and they both talked about what strength looks like. And I had to ask many questions just to help them to unpack, to unravel, to understand what the, the stories that shape that for them. And both women were talking about the stories that shape their view of strength, like who they are and who they want people to see them as, who they want their children to see them as. And both women saw strength as not being able to, rather, so both women saw strength as stiff upper lip, ability to manage things. Strength was not crying. Strength was not showing anything that they perceived as weakness. So for both of them, they see crying as weakness. If we show any kind of, if we cry, the people who see us as strong will no longer see us as strong. They will think that we're weak. For one woman, she wanted her children to see her as strong. And because of that, she couldn't cry. She couldn't allow them to see that she was sad because in her mind, if they saw that she was sad, then they wouldn't trust her anymore with their stories. And for another, everybody in the family looks up to her and saw her as strong. And therefore, crying was a sign of weakness. And if crying is a sign of weakness and she cried, then they would not know, they would not come to her anymore and they would not see her as strong. They both thought that they would lose their position that they think they have in people's lives. The position where they were the advisor, the the courageous ones, the resilient ones, the ones that people come to for everything. And if they show any weakness or perceived weakness, then they would lose that position. So I'm not sure if you can hear the stories, but one of the story is crying is a sign of weakness. Now, as children, we don't just develop those stories. As children, we learn those stories. We learned that crying is a sign of weakness. When we cried and people told us to stop, when we cried and we were made fun of, when we cried and people asked us, why were you crying? When we cried and our tears were minimized, when we cry and nobody cared, when we cried and we were shunned and we were shamed, those things tell us that crying was weakness. Because the child who could endure beatings or shaming or whatever and never cried, they were praised. And so because we wanted to praise, we stopped crying. Many people stop crying, don't allow themselves to stop crying, to cry, to feel, to show sadness or to show anything that they perceived as weakness. There are many women like this. Maybe you know some, maybe you are one. That feels like sadness or the expression of sadness, which tears is a natural expression of sadness, but that is perceived as weakness. And therefore, 
I cannot cry. I cannot allow myself to feel sad. But here is something that is amazing to me because these women are comfortable showing anger and frustration. And so sometimes the sadness comes out as anger and frustration. So the children are seeing anger and frustration, but they're not allowed to see sadness. And many have grown up to believe that when I'm angry and frustrated, then I'm strong. And many have used anger and frustration to get their way to do things and to, to be heard, they feel. And so they hold back on a natural, normal, emotionless sadness and don't allow themselves to express it. Many internalize it and it becomes something else. It's always going to be because repressed pain must find expression. And for those women, it's expressing itself in high blood pressure. It's expressing itself in autoimmune illnesses. It's expressing itself in so many things that they're not connecting to the inability to show sadness. And it's so crucial it's so crucial that we're able to understand those stories because what, what resilience is, is not what we were taught resilience was. We were taught resilience was the person who was happy with frustration and anger, but the person who cried, they weren't resilient. And so, but here is what resilient is. And, and the person who is resilient is also emotionally intelligent. And somebody who is emotionally intelligent is able to understand that I feel sad they know what they need when they're sad. They know how to ask for it and they know how to give it to themselves. The person who isn't or emotionally intelligent, the person who isn't intelligent to the emotion of sadness or the expression of it or how to solve it, how to the things that they need, the things that they want and the people around them don't know it either is the one that repress it. So when we're resilient, we know what we're feeling we know what we need and we know where to get it from. So I want you to consider what's the story that you have around sadness and where did that story come from? What's the story that you have around crying? Do you allow yourself to cry? Do you allow yourself to cry in public? Do you allow yourself to cry in private? Do you cry on your own? How do you do it? How do you allow yourself to know? Would you know? You will know when you're sad, but do you know what you need when you're sad? And what are the stories that shape that? Are you taught to ignore sadness, but to lean harder in frustration and anger? Are you told to that sadness or crying is a sign of weakness? You can learn how to re-educate yourself, to be in touch with sadness, to be in tune with it. It's not a sign of weakness. It's understanding that you are and what you need. And what I can tell you is when you allow yourself to express emotions naturally, if you want to be an example to your children, you have to let them see all the emotions, a range of it, because that's, what's, that's what will teach them what emotions look like. So when you allow yourself to show all the emotions, to feel them, to express them, to minister to yourself when you are sad, when you're angry, to know what to do, to be self-controlled, not to repress it, but to feel it, to speak it, and to know what to do to help work that anger out of your body and to make choices that are going to be different. That shows the people that are around you, that's what strength looks like. That's a different kind of strength. That's the kind of strength that, that allows you to be triggered, to, to be angry, 
and to make choices that are so different to the ones that you used to make before. Where you can be angry, but you don't shout. Where you can be sad, but you're not allowing your sadness to harm other people. Where you can be angry, you can be in full control of yourself. You can still retain your your frontal lobe and you can make decisions and choices about what you do next. That is what strength looks like. If you've heard or been taught another story around strength, I want you to consider how those stories are serving you, how those choices are serving you, and what else can you do? How can you unlearn those stories around sadness and allow yourself to learn something different, another story that is healthier, that is more conducive to teaching your children and the people that are around you the lessons that you want them to learn and how indeed you can allow different stories to shape sadness and and frustration in your life moving forward. Thank you for joining me in Stories That Shape Us. I hope you'll join me on the next story.